Welcome to the latest Placetech podcast. I'm Paul Unger, editor of Placetech. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Paddock. Paddock is an online platform that allows companies to launch engagement-focused mobile apps quickly and cost-effectively. With tenant management apps being one of its core solutions, Paddock currently provides apps for the likes of Vita Student and Urban Bubble. Residents use the apps to report issues, book rooms, and join their local communities. To find out more, visit paddock.com. Today, I'm joined by Mike Anderson, founder and CEO of Paddock, and Andrew Saunderson, investment director at Granger, the UK's largest listed residential landlord, with 9,000 rental homes in its portfolio and a £2 billion pipeline, which will see it double in size. Welcome both. Hi, Paul. Thank you. Hi there. Um, so, build to rent. Um, one only has to walk around any large city centre these days to see the new breed of shiny towers with great facilities and trendy young tenants coming and going um, to see the difference in uh, renting these days. Um, in, in your 20 years at Granger, Andrew, how, how would you say renting has changed yeah, I think in the time I've been at Granger, um, the 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 proposition to our customers has changed quite significantly. Um, it, it it doesn't seem like that long ago where we bought our first build to rent asset, um, which was a scheme of a hundred um, apartments in Barking in East London, um, and we bought that at the time with the express purpose on practical completion when the construction was finished we would rent it out. And we, we did that back in 2013. And as you said, we've now got the best part of 1.7 billion um, of assets that have built an operational in our in our PRS, our build to rent portfolio, with a further billion in our pipeline. So so for us, it's, it's, it's been a huge leap forward. Um, and I think it's a really exciting time for the sector. I think, you know, for me, um, the, the pandemic, and obviously we'll get on to talk about that, so I'll, I'll get it in nice and early. Um, the pandemic has really shown us how important home is. You know, I think uh, I, I, I can speak for myself here. I'm sitting at home and I'll, I'll apologise right now. My dog may well bark at some point during this. And, you know, we've all had to, to deal with those things that we've never previously had to deal with. You know, my do- I'm on my daughter's device who's been homeschooling. So I've kicked her off that so that I can, I can do this. So, you know, the, the concept of home is, has become so much more important. And, and that doesn't matter whether you're an owner-occupier or whether you're a renter. Um, and the, the proposition around building I think just offers the customer something that they've never really had in the UK before. Uh, so it's a it's a huge moment for the for the sector, I think. Yeah, and Mike, you've uh, benefited from some PRS built to rent experience uh, y- yourself as a as a resident. Yeah, so so I was actually one of the first residents, funnily enough, of the Slate Yard in Manchester, which I think has been one of the sort of leading built to rent um, sort of sites in, in the UK, really. It seems to have won lots of awards and things. And we we came from a more traditional rental place into the Slate Hard, and immediately we were blown away by the facilities, the, just the community experience. I think I remember saying to my wife the first, um, first week we moved in, when we got home on a Friday and they had beers laid out in the lounge and there was people sort of socialising, it was like, wow, we've, we've really moved to the sort of best, best place in Manchester kind of thing. And more and more as we've sort of dealt with the property companies ourselves over the last couple of years. Um, 
I've seen that being taken up more and more, and it's just, it's it's interesting. It seems to be a very Americanized way of living. I've, I've spotted, you know, it seems like I'd seen a lot of that sort of stuff in America previously, but now it seems to be coming to the UK, which is great. Yeah, and and would you both say that um, there's a desire for um, community in in these places and from from tenants? Is that something that you've you've seen and, and witnessed? Yeah, I mean, firsthand, I've, I've seen it, you know, for us, it was a real appeal of moving to the slate yard. Um, you know, my, my wife was from America, so it was meeting new people when we, when we come in there and sort of socialising and things like that. And then also things like the gym, the, you know, the book clubs, all the, the, I think it, the slate yard, they even had sort of music nights where they'd have like a live guitarist playing and they were even doing stuff in the courtyard. And it, it really, you know, that whole community vibe, you got to know your neighbours, you got to know them face-to-face. And it, it did feel like you'd look forward to the, the socials that might be every month or every six weeks. So completely community was a real a real hook for us as residents. Yeah. And Andrew, is that something that you've seen amongst your residents? Absolutely. It's one, it's one of the things that we encourage. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've all heard those stories of, of people going to a new city to live, not knowing anybody, starting a new job um, and going home to, to be on their own every evening. And, and that can be, you know, can be quite a dull way to live. Uh, and then obviously that whole effect has been compounded by the pandemic if they haven't been able to go back to where they were from originally. Um, so that whole establishment of community, I think, is, is, is a fundamental part of what we're all trying to achieve in the build to rent sector. It's really one of the things, in my view, that differentiates a build to rent building um, and the service that's provided from a more traditional building that might be, you know, a block of flats all owned by individual buy to let investors, where it's not possible to create that community feel because there isn't that single ownership, there isn't that single manager, um, and there aren't even those amenity areas in, in which to do it. So it's, you know, for me, the the concept of a build-to-rent building isn't rocket science. Um, you know, we, we've not reinvented the wheel or anything like that. We've just taken something that's existed for a very long time and just created a little bit more amenity space within it, which has enabled us, we hope, to, to create that community, which, you know, from, a, from an investor perspective, let's be clear, the, the reason that we're doing this is, yes, we do want to provide better quality homes for our customers, but also we know that happy customers tend to stay and that's what we want. We want our customers to stay with us. We want them to stay in our buildings. Um, and if they decide to move, that they can go and live in another one of our buildings. That, that That's very fundamental to our offer. Yeah. Is it simply about creating that amenity space or are there specific lessons learned of the, of the best things that you've done to foster that community spirit in your buildings? Um, I think I think it's a it's a host of things really. Um, so we we have amenity space in our buildings, and you know I'm slightly disappointed that you chose to go and live at the Slate Yard and you didn't come and live at our building at Clippers Key. Uh, but if I if I use Clippers Key as the example, um, we've got we've got 614 apartments at Clippers Key, and we've got about six to seven thousand square feet of amenity space. Um, and 
alongside that, we also have our resident on-site services team. So we have concierge who are on-site. So if you have your parcels delivered, they get delivered. The concierge can take them in, can store them for you, can send you a notification to tell you that you've had a package delivered. So on your way home from work, you can pop in, see the concierge and, and take that package up to your apartment with you. Um, if you've got a problem, if there's a leak or, or, or something else that happens in your apartment, you know you can phone the concierge downstairs and they can get it dealt with. You're not having to speak to an agent who in turn has to speak to an investor who may not even be in the UK. It's it, it, it's all of those things. The, the whole concept for me um, is making making it easier for people. The whole idea is to make renting uh, as as pleasurable as experience as it possibly can be. Yeah, and, and I, I think that we as residents we also noticed that just in the the terms when you enter the flat there was a lower deposit. You had a short, I think a shorter term exit policy. So if we wanted to get out of the contract after a certain point, I think the the notice period was only two months, something like that. So there's all these sort of things that seem to come into build to rent that just make it a lot more manageable as a resident. Um, and, and we've so we've just moved out. So we've we've just bought our first house, which is exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. And we've you know just that whole move out process. When I compare it to moving out of my last flat, where I had major issues with like getting a final water bill and fixing up the apartment with the slate yard, it, it was completely easy. You know, it was tap tap. Okay, we've already done the inventory here. You know, we, we're saying bye to everyone. So obviously, in a in a pandemic, it's slightly different. But it, the experience was easy. You know, and for, as residents, that that really you know is something I'll, I'll remember from the time we spent renting. Does that resonate on the, the the financial model, Andrew, in terms of making that easier as well for people to to move in and out? Yeah, I, th- I think the whole you know the what we're all trying to create in the sector is is to, as I said a minute ago, is to make renting uh, the best possible experience it can be. So that starts very much from you know the start of someone's journey. So when they turn up to view an apartment, you know at the moment we're we're having to conduct lots of virtual viewings. Um, you know if people do choose to come and visit our apartments um, and they are able to do that in person, the you know the government have been very clear that they want the the property market to remain open. Um, we're able to do that in a COVID compliant way. Um, we, we, we know that we've got sufficient PPE on site and we've put all of COVID secure measures in place to facilitate those, those viewings. Um, and it, it's all the way from, from the very start of that journey to a, how someone moves in. You know, one of the things that we do try and include within all of our schemes is a loading bay because we know how difficult it can be in some parts of the country to, to stop a van or whatever um, and to take your, your belongings upstairs. We try and create that loading bay, which is a secure place where people can park a van, park their car, unload, take it up to their new apartment and then deliver their van back to wherever they've hired it from. And that all the way through to, to when they leave us, uh, which we hope is, is, is quite some time after they, they first move in. But it, it's, it's all about creating as pleasant a journey through that as, as, as we possibly can. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And how important is technology um, in this changing rental marketplace? Um, for, for, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's becoming absolutely, absolutely fundamental to, to, the, to the offer, really. Um, you know, more and more, and I think it's been exacerbated by the fact we've all been working from home and we've all been completely reliant on, on our own home broadband and things like that, that, that Wi-Fi is now the fourth utility. Um, 
And in our buildings, we, we do offer Wi-Fi inclusive in, in the rents. So when we, we're building a building, we're designing a building, we include that right in at the base specification point. So we're not trying to retrofit the broadband system in afterwards. It, it goes in with alongside the, the electrical cables and all of those things. Um, so when our residents move in, they're, in, they're, they're immediately able to plug and play. Um, so there's no waiting for an engineer to come out to connect them. Um, and then the, the other thing that I, that I really like about the, the Wi-Fi that we offer, and I'm sure it's the same as, as that other, others offer, is, is I, you, know, you, you can go from your apartment to the roof terrace or to the, uh, to the amenity space and keep the same Wi-Fi link. You know, which I think is really good. You know, we've all been working from home and when things go back to normal and amenity spaces open up again and roof terraces open up again, you know, I'm sure people will enjoy the idea of being able to move from place to place within the building that they're living as opposed to being confined to their to their apartment um, and maintain their Wi-Fi so they can they can change their where they're working on a on an hour by hour basis if they if they choose to. Yeah. And are there other um, technology solutions that you've implemented in, uh, on top of the Wi-Fi in, uh, in, in recent assets? Yeah, the, the other thing that we 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 in a business are in the process of is a very large sort of IT upgrade, um, which we've called our, our Connect project, um, which is really going to enable us to do so much more um, from from a tech perspective with our residents. You know, we know that a lot of our residents want the ability to self-service. And with the systems that we're now bringing in, they will be able to do that. So if they choose to have no physical interaction with a with a Granger member of staff, they can do it all through through the web. Um, and also, it will offer us all sorts of other enhanced communication um, capabilities, which which we think are, are going to bring our, our method of operating right up into into the into the twenty first century, which is which is where we we absolutely want to be. Absolutely, and and Mike, how how do you think tech is uh, is is changing build to rent PRS um, in, in terms of uh, you know do we need all these these apps? And um, so I think I think Andrew hit it on the head really with the word self service, and that you know that's what it comes down to. We find with a lot of our clients, the apps become a particularly in COVID, right, a, a fundamental part of their resident experience. It's the ability to report that issue it's the ability to book that room to find out that the elevators broke whatever it might be but without human contact which right now is obviously a restriction of society but you you do notice some sometimes people want to work out how they can collect their parcel without speaking to someone you know they might um just not be in the mood to have a face-to-face engagement with someone at that time in the day the the other thing we've really noticed and and this is more through this is with Vita Student, who's one of our clients. Um, they, they've had a real drive towards community. Um, so we've allowed residents using their apps to create their own communities. So they've created fitness groups, book clubs, dog walking clubs. And at the start of the pandemic, they were also doing stuff around um, you know, support groups for people who needed shopping delivered to the door and things like that. And we've just noticed the engagement between the people in the actual buildings has, has really gone up. And particularly as you make these more niche micro groups, people are more willing to share more and maybe, you know, talk about dog walking or whatever it might be as, as, a, as a subject. And, and that's been really interesting. We find that, that those who are more engaged with that tend to be having, you know, it tends, their experience at the place tends to be, um, a lot better as well you know they li- it links to that 
and I think that all comes back to, to that point we discussed uh, a couple of minutes ago, which is about community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the establishment of the community um, that, that ultimately leads to these things because, you know, people make contacts, they make friends, um, they then start clubs together, they then take their dogs for a walk together, you know, and, and then you find that it, it starts building from there. And so I think the tech is possibly the thing that underpins all of that, um, but it ultimately helps establish that community, which, which as I say, is the, is the thing that we're very, very keen to do within our buildings. Yeah, and, and and where do you think the 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 demographic shifts might take the the market um, in the next couple of years? There's been a lot of talk about work from anywhere, remote working coming in, remote hiring, um, distributed companies that have staff all over the world. Is is that a threat to the emergence of these major cities with with rising um, rental? populations or do you think that 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 trend is set to continue i'll be completely honest the first couple of weeks of lockdown last march i thought this working from home is great i've never done this before it's fantastic i get up in the morning and i might go out for a quick stroll around the block and then i'm at my desk and i'm i'm working after the best part of a year of doing it frankly i've absolutely had enough of it and i can't wait to get back to the office and and interact with my colleagues in the office um, go out for a beer or two after work with my colleagues go and have dinner in the you know in the west end with my wife after work you know i i'm desperately keen to get back to to normal and um, I, I think that is that's definitely mirrored in a in a number of people i speak to um I think I think clearly more people will take the opportunity to work from home. I think the 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 technology has just come on in leaps and bounds. I remember doing my first Zoom meeting and thinking this is brilliant and then it crashed a bit and you didn't know how this worked, you didn't know how that worked and I think we've all become Zoom experts and Teams experts over the over the last year. Um, but I still don't think it replaces the very core of what a city is. And a city isn't, for me, isn't just the place where you go to work. The city is the place where you go to eat. It's the place where you go to socialise with your friends. It's where you go to the theatre. It's where you you go and watch sporting events. A city offers so much more than just being close to your place of work. So I I do not subscribe to this um, concept that that COVID is going to lead to the death of the city. and everyone is going to take the opportunity to go and live either in the suburbs or in more rural communities. Um, and, and I don't think Build to Rent will be adversely affected, affected by it. I think as and when the restrictions are lifted, hopefully at uh, the 21st of June or whenever it is, I think we will see a, a very rapid return to city living um, and the vibrancy will return to, to Manchester, to Birmingham, to Leeds, to London. Um, and and people will once again understand what the benefits of of city living are. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, would, would your you and your clients echo that uh, sentiment? Yeah, I think having having lived in a in a build to rent development, one of the key things that was useful was having these sort of you know communal areas that you can go and work out of and maybe spend that one day a week, two day a week. And I I could certainly see people doing more of that. And, you know, maybe going, okay, every Tuesday, I'm just going to work from from the communal area because it's a bit away from the whole madness of the office or whatever it might be. But I completely agree with Andrew that, you know, you're still going to want to come into the city and, you know, have a beer after work, nip out for lunch, see people, socialise, get that 
I think they call it, is it water cooler chat that we've all been missing out on whilst, whilst we've uh, been locked up at home. So so I, I completely agree that I think people want to come back to the office, but they're, they're desperate to do it. Um, and provided we can make safe environments in all our offices, then I, I assume we will have a real big boom of that. And hopefully the the bars and the restaurants and all, all the sort of supporting sectors around that will will benefit from that too. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, there's been a, a lot written about this um, over the last year, as well as, um, the, you know, the future of the office, the future of work. Um, and there is a school of thought that, that keeps reappearing that actually people will want to live within walking distance of their office, um, that it's, it's, it's exposed the commute as the problem in all of this. Um, and if they are going to have two days a week at home, then they, they want that to be a 15-minute stroll, not an hour and a half on, on the tube or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see how, how these subplots play out. Um, we've, we've just made a decision. You know, I, I think I mentioned earlier, Paul, that we've just purchased our first house. It's just off Chapel Street where we've purchased. So we're, we're a 10-minute walk into Manchester city centre but we now have a little bit of a garden space and a little bit more outdoor space than we used to. So completely as myself, you know, a millennial, as it were, working in the city, um, I completely buy into that mentality that, yes, we want a bit more space in, in, our, in our home life, but we still want to be 10 minutes walk from the city because that's where everything is happening on our, in our social lives and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, 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 can, I would... I'll be very surprised if I'm not the only one thinking that. Yeah. And, and have you seen an acceleration in the, the take-up, Mike, in, um, in, in the use of, um, of, of apps for um, varying um, reasons, the community, but also the maintenance, the facilities management and things like that, given what's happened in the last 12 months? Yes. I think I remember... Um, the first week we went into lockdown, uh, we were just busier than we'd ever been because we had so many people saying, look, we need a solution and we need it quick. And we were fortunate that we were in a position to offer these sort of quick community solutions out to people. I think one thing we've noticed now, and I'm sure you, you're aware, Paul, obviously, but the, the prop tech um, market, it's quite a crowded marketplace and there are lots of pieces of technology for doing lots of different things, whether it's collecting rental payments, onboarding customers, managing maintenance. Where we've had particular success is our, our platform allows us to build branded apps for companies and then pull together different technologies. So integrate with different back office systems, different issue resolution tools, but give the customer one one user interface, one one branded space where they can engage with engage with their brand. And I think the, the key thing with that is it's all about making it as easy as possible for the customer. The customer doesn't want to know that you're using six or seven different systems for managing your property company. They just want to know that you have an app and that's where they can do everything and it's really easy for them to do. So I think more and more we will see people just trying to simplify the processes and simplify the tech that's in place to, to do this stuff. And hope, yeah. hopefully, right, we'll be at the forefront of that. That's the plan for us. Absolutely. And there's a lot said about open APIs at the moment, that making sure systems can can speak to each other is is vital from day one and, and more um, solutions actually advertising up front. These are the other systems that we can work with. Yeah. Um, whereas, the, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, there was more talk about people being a bit more territorial and protective and, and just talking about their 
app. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you see that 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 growing both of you in terms of the the openness of having that um, that that sort of portal approach? Yeah, I, I think from my perspective, that there is still a bit of that territorial stuff. You know, there there are some companies who've done very well in these sectors over the last five, ten years, and you know, are market dominating. And it is harder for you know companies like ourselves to break into that market. And what we have found though is that when people are open to engaging and you know connecting these maybe older systems to to newer things like ourselves that might be doing community better than anything else in the market or something like that and um, it builds it builds a better product for the customer so you know we, we've noticed with all that if you i see it as the use the best of best of all worlds we we know we're not the best back office property management system there are platforms that have been doing that for three four five ten years even so but if we if we can take all the best of that stuff but then provide a whizzy you know consumer interface that's where as a customer you can get that best experience so i think you're totally right it's it's about the the older more you know market leading companies working with the the newer upstarts who might have those differentiators in the market and I think I think the customer as well is is much savvier than they used to be, and the customer doesn't want to be confined to one particular thing. They want to have the ability to move around um, and to source the best quality product for for the type of experience they're looking for. So I, I think a lot of what comes for, forward will ultimately be dictated by what the customer ultimately wants. Actually, yeah. And and Andrew, is is it getting easier to? Um... To, to find and, and procure and install the technology th- these days compared to um, going back a couple of years? Um, I, think, I think we we as a business probably have a much better idea of, of the type of product we want to provide in our buildings. Um, so I know that we, we exper- experimented with a couple of different broadband providers in our buildings and we've now fixed on one. So we generally use Glide in our buildings. Uh, because that that provides the type of product, the type of service that we feel is is appropriate for our target customers. Um, but but also we're now looking at other systems as well, which are which are tacked onto that. So one of the systems that we're now we're now looking at is Vicada, which is a CCTV system. Um, some of our buildings we don't offer a twenty four hour service, um, so we don't have Granger people in the building twenty four hours a day. We might have them there for eighteen hours. Um, but then with Vicada, we're able to remotely monitor the CCTV on a, a laptop, a, a handheld mobile phone, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, we're, we're constantly looking at the best solution for, for the product we're putting into the market. Um, and, you know, we, we've, got, we've got an IT team and we've, I've got colleagues who that is their job. Their job is to ensure that we are fully aware of what is the most up-to-date products that we can bring into our buildings so that we're able to offer that leading edge um, and that leading solution to, to our customers. And um, in terms of what you think uh, is, is maybe more fringy at the moment but will become more mainstream, is, you mentioned there about the sort of remote video monitoring are, are there other examples, and, and, and Mike as well, from speaking to clients and, and the noises you're hearing from the market, are there things that we might expect to see in 12, 24 months that are, are, are just sort of starting to bubble up at the moment? Uh, we, we've certainly seen 
a lot more demand for door entry being built into mm. our app. So people wanting to do the, you know, the remote access of doors. Obviously, we always get the question, what happens if your phone runs out of battery and you can't get in? And there's all these use cases that people have to work through and try and work out solutions. But yeah, certainly like remote access and, and things like that, and just being able to open your door remotely even as well. There's, there's definitely been a rising um, mention of that with most people we've spoke to. Uh, Andrew, anything that um, you could whet, whet the appetite and say that's going to be, uh, expect to see that in the next year or two? Oh, um, I, I think remote access is is probably one of the things that that we are we are hearing quite a lot of people beginning to talk about actually, um, but also where where we're using tech as well is is in our amenity areas. So we are using sort of heat sensors to determine which which pieces of gym equipment are, are most regularly used. So that enables us to determine when we're designing our gyms going forward. How many treadmills should we put, be putting in, as opposed to how many, you know, sort of uh, cycles should we be putting in? So, so we're utilizing that, um, and also, you know, it's it's also about the collection of the data, you know, because we we currently have fob systems to access our gyms, you know, we're we're able to know what time is the most popular for people within our buildings to use the gym. And then we're able to organize the cleaning around the quieter times. So I think that there's lots of these, these small things that we're learning um, through, through the data that we're producing. Um, and as we have more product that we put into the market, we'll, we'll produce more data, which will ultimately enable us to refine and improve the product, um, which is all to the, all to the, the benefit of our, of our customers today, but also our customers tomorrow. Yeah, and and do you tend to, to to buy in, or do you build in house when it comes to to solutions? Uh, we we tend to buy in. I think as it stands at the minute, we're probably not large enough to to start developing our own solutions. So so things like Vicada, uh, we, we we buy in that, but it also I think enables us to to ensure that we have the best possible solution in the market. I think once you start developing your own solutions, you're probably restricting yourself to that. Um, and I, I, I would always advocate from a Granger perspective, it would be better for us to buy the most appropriate product for our buildings because, you know, certain buildings in certain locations will, will demand a slightly different product. Um, and it's easier to go into the market to procure that as opposed to constantly trying to develop it ourselves, I would say. And um... I mean, Mike, what, what advice would you have for people that are listening that are maybe new to build to rent and uh, you know, they've been developing other things and um, working on other projects um, for, for years, but are now looking to get into this, this market when it comes to uh, mastering this, this sort of user friendly, customer focused, experiential world that they'll be getting into? I think I think the key thing is obviously make sure the spaces that are built are you know the best out there. Pete, there's so much of this stuff on the market now. I think as someone looking at it as a potential resident, you 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 know you're comparing between them all. So anytime you can find those differentiators, you know there's I've seen ones with like football um, pitches and basketball courts and things like that. And for me, I, I like I, I play a lot of basketball and. For me, I'd love to live in a place where there's a basketball court downstairs, and that that would literally be the thing that seals the deal for me if I was going through that buying process. So, I think there's a lot of research to be done about market demographics and what people want, and then understanding the impact of technology on the back of that. So, 
I look at some of our clients and we we regularly pull together the stats that we've done. So how many issues have been reported? How many rooms have been booked? How many um, comments or likes have been in the community? And we can start to then substantiate that into a real business case. For example, there has been X many thousand issues reported. Actually, if these were being dealt with, a con- with by a concierge, that's X hours of time. And you can actually start to put, you know, cost savings on the usage of technology in there. And so I think it's all just about pulling together those models. And, you know, if I was to say one thing, I would say make them the best spaces possible and then make sure you've got the tech to allow people to self-serve and utilize it to the best of its ability. Wonderful. Thank you. Andrew? Well, you know, I'm I'm the investment director at Granger. So I I say to anyone, don't come into the sector, sell us your buildings or sell us your sites and um, go and do something else. Uh, But but on a serious note, I'd say for, for me, you know, this is we're on a huge learning curve. You know, we're we're currently developing a product that that hasn't necessarily existed in this country before, um, and we're we're learning as we go along. Um, I, I completely agree. It is about making the best possible spaces, and I think also there'll be a a, a huge raft of learnings that we'll take um, we'll take from COVID. You know, COVID will ultimately change the way people live, will change the way people want to interact with, with each other, will change the way that they want to interact with uh, with our on-site teams. You know, they may choose to do it more remotely. So there, there's going to be a huge raft of lessons that we're going to take from that. But, but fundamentally, it, it is about creating the right product in the right place. And, and, and when you take a step back and look at the UK BTR... Uh, market and you you mentioned there that it is still quite new uh, how do you see it maturing over the next five to ten years I, I i think the sector you know it's it's gone from being a a um an also ran if if even that within the the real estate world um you know build to rent was very much in the alternative sector um, I think what we've, we've seen even running up to the, the pandemic is a it's very significant weight of money coming into the sector. You know, the, the UK institutions have been investing heavily. Um, we, Granger and, and other residential um, and non-residential property companies have been investing heavily. It's, it's attracted some of our US friends over um, and they've been investing. Um, so I think what we'll, we'll see over the next five to 10 years is a significant rollout of, of a raft of new buildings um, uh, across the country, really. Um, I think we're seeing more suburban product coming into the market um, for those people that choose not to live in, in town centres. Um, so I, I think it's definitely something that's, that's here to stay. Um, and I think it's going to grow very, very significantly over the next five to 10 years and become a, a mainstream um, sort of asset class within the real estate world, actually. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, definitely a hot sector to watch and something that we enjoy covering on Place Tech um, and look forward to seeing how it uh, how it grows. Um, thank you both very much for, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Paddock. Paddock is an online platform that allows companies to launch engagement-focused mobile apps quickly and cost-effectively. To find out more, visit paddock.com.